Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. I'm Matt Silver, and I'm thankful that you've taken the time to join in today. For those of you that are listening that drive automobiles, simple question for you. I want to talk about that instrument panel, and in particular, two warning lights that are there. Let's first look at that gas light. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried do you get when that gas light comes on? You know, you're a 1 if you're like, oh, look, it's time to get gas. But you're a 10 if when that light comes on, you're like, grab your chest, you feel it get tight, and you take your foot off the accelerator immediately to conserve gas until you come up with a plan on how you're going to get to that gas station. For me, it's situational. If I'm local and close to home, I'll do the math and say, can I make it home and back out to get to the gas station before I run out of gas? But if I'm out of town... If I'm far from home and in particular have my family with me, I take it a lot more serious. I'm disappointed. I'll say things like, I can't believe I let this low get this low on gas again and this light came on. I'll start saying, I knew I should have gotten gas at that last exit. I can't believe this is happening again. And I'll say again because, well, that kind of happens in my life. The other light I want to mention is really alarming to me, and that's the check engine light. When this light comes on, it's time for me to take my car to see a professional to get a diagnosis and come up with a plan to fix the issue at hand. Now we know the light, the light is not the problem, at least it shouldn't be. The light is an indicator of a problem. When your low gas comes on, your tire pressure light, your check engine light comes on, it's communicating that there's a threat that needs to be addressed. Like a light on our instrument panel warning us of danger, worry and anxiety function the same way. If we're experiencing anxiety over a situation or relationship, we're wise to take warning and to address the situation. Limited anxiety and worry is helpful. It alerts us of danger. But what we don't want to do is live in a state of anxiety and worry. Worry, it robs us of our peace. Peace is defined as freedom from disturbance, tranquility. But the enemy of peace is worry. Worry is a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Life is full of ups and downs, and it can turn on us in an instant. Sometimes our headspace gets filled with all the things that could go wrong in life. We obsess over the what ifs, think of how we might be able to prevent them, and we find ourselves anxious about the future. So is anything keeping you up at night these days? When you have a bit of alone time, does your mind drift towards a worry list? Maybe I can trigger some of those things for you. How's your health doing? Do you have as much energy as you should? Do you find yourself getting really tired every single afternoon? Why are you so distracted? What about those aches and pains? Are they keeping you from exercising, which is the thing that you should do to have more energy? How's your diet? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating junk food after 8 p.m.? Is that why you're not sleeping good at night? How are your parents? Are they doing okay? Are you following up with them enough? Are you providing them the support that they need and deserve? How about your kids? Are they doing okay socially? Do they have enough friends? Do they have the right friends? Are they on their screens too much? Are they getting closer to Jesus? And how about your own friendships? When was the last time you had a real heart-to-heart conversation with a good friend? Do they know what you're going through? Do you know what they're going through? And how about your finances? How's your budget? Is it balanced? Can you afford to go on vacation this summer? Can you afford not to go on vacation this summer? 
And how about your job or school? Are you too focused on things that don't matter? Are you focusing on the things that really matter? Is this amount of time that you're investing costing your family too much? Which one is getting cheated more, your job or your family? Because one of them is getting cheated, right? How about your concerns with COVID? Are you concerned enough? Are you too relaxed now? Now that mask mandates are done, are you taking it serious enough? Do you have family that are in the hospital? Are you caring for them enough? How's your faith? Are you praying for what you really want? Or are you just saying scripted prayers? Are you investing enough energy into your relationship with God? Is God pleased with you? How about the conflict in Ukraine? How big is this conflict going to escalate to? How big is it going to get? What organizations should we support? How do we care for friends that have family there? How do you feel now? Anxious? Perhaps you've connected or empathized with some of those worries that I've been thinking about over the last week in my life. It wasn't hard for me to create the things that I've been thinking about, ruminating on, playing some what ifs that come creeping in. I mentioned last week how anxiety affects me. I feel it in my neck. My neck gets tight. You see me doing this, I might be struggling with anxiety. My sleep's affected and I wake up in the middle of the night. I become more moody. But honestly, if we ran into one another at the Audi grocery store, I'd say, I'd smile and say, hey, how are you doing? And you'd say, good, how about you? And I'd say, live in the dream, because there's all kinds of dreams. But one of my goals in that situation would be to hide my anxiety from you, to hide my worries from you. Why? I don't want you to worry about me. You have enough to worry about, right? Yeah. But you know, there are times and there are seasons, and maybe that's where you are finding yourself now, where the worst thing we can do is try to hide or ignore our worries. That despite having a check engine light beaming in our direction, we just choose to push on a little harder, to drive a little faster, and hope we make it to our destination. Well, friends, worry is an enemy we all need to keep in check. And if we don't, worry has the ability to take away our peace. Author Corey Ten Boom, she said it this way, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Let me say that again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Worry is something we all need to deal with because life is challenging. The old English word for worry meant to strangle. In this calm series, it is addressing the feelings that have the ability to choke the life out of us. Dealing with worry is a process. It's not something we do once and then we're finished and, hey, we don't have worry to have to worry about worries ever again. No, worries have a way of creeping back in, and we must continue to take them on. Max Lucado said it this way, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. So how do we address the prison of anxiety? Anxiety is complicated. You know, it can be physiological, it can be emotional, it can be situational. I would argue that it's always spiritual because anxiety is very complicated. We have to take a holistic approach to anxiety. In other words, we are always going to take our worries and anxieties to God. But there are instances when people need to be willing to seek out professional help. We may need the assistance of a counselor, a nutritionist, a doctor, or any combination of care. And this is nothing to be ashamed about. God has gifted us with these kind of resources, and we should take advantage of them. Well, as we focus on the spiritual part of the equation, it's ironic that in order to free ourselves from the prison of anxiety, we're actually studying the words of a man that wrote these words while he was in prison. 
The Apostle Paul found himself in an uncertain situation. He was in prison, uncertain of his future, how long he would live, if he would ever make it out of that prison, but rather than focusing on his own circumstances, feeling sorry for himself, he focused on God. And he wrote a letter to encourage a church. And this letter that he'd written has been passed around for 2,000 years and is still being used today to deliver inspiration and hope and give us a battle plan to fight the prison of anxiety. Let's read these words together. And if you will, out of respect for this passage of scripture, consider standing up as we read them together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Thank you. Well, these five verses provide us four steps that lead to a wonderful promise of peace. Last, we looked at verse four and focused on our first step, that we're to celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord's always. If you missed last week, be sure to check it out. The message centered on the reality that regardless of how overwhelmed and alone we may feel in our circumstances, we can rejoice in the Lord because God is near. God is close, and if we get close to him, we can hear him whisper and affirm to us his truths. In any situation that we face, we can with full confidence believe that God is good and in control. This week, we're looking at verse 6, and our second step is asking God for help. We let our requests be known to him. Just so you know where we're heading for the next two weeks, the following two steps are going to be leave your concerns with him, L, and M will be meditate on good things, and the acrostic spells come. Celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate. Portable so we can always have this with you. Well, today's step, it may be the hardest for you to embrace fully because Paul's step is for us to pray to God and ask him for help. Some of you, if you're honest, you don't pray anymore, at least on a personal and deep level. You may think it works for others, but in your own life, you question if it has value, if God hears, if he works, and does he even care. Maybe you remember praying, a desperate prayer at a desperate time. It was the most sincere prayer you ever prayed, but you received a very different outcome than the one you had asked for. Maybe you were told by well-meaning people that if you kept praying, if you kept knocking on God's door, if you were relentless, then you would definitely get a yes from God. But despite all your prayers, nothing happened from your vantage point. Your pregnancy ended in miscarriage. Your best friend moved away. You still failed the test. You were fired from the job. You didn't get the car or the house or your loved one was not healed. And so you stopped praying. At least meaningful prayers, heartfelt prayers. I'm not bringing this up to guilt you. I just want to remind you that God doesn't always say yes. If you stop praying because of a painful past prayer experience, I want to tell you that God sees things from a different perspective and that you can trust him because he's good and in control. Paul, the author of these words, faced hardship himself as he followed Jesus. Paul was beaten and whipped, stoned and shipwrecked because of his faithfulness to Jesus. Paul prayed to God in and on all occasions, and yet he was able to rejoice in God despite his circumstances being difficult. Again, because he knew that God was near him, with him, and would provide him with the strength to navigate all the challenges he faced. If Paul came and stood beside me right now, you'd see what he looked like. He was full of scars. 
the ways he would walk from all the beatings and being shipwrecked. It would cause you to question, is this what a person that's been blessed by God looks like? You'd certainly ask, how's a man like Paul, how could he have so much peace with God? Look at him. But again, my friends, my encouragement to you is to not dismiss Paul's advice to pray to God because of your previous prayer experiences. Paul said in Romans 8, 28, a letter he wrote to Christians in Rome, he says, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The all things that Paul mentions there, this includes the things you were worried about in your past, the bad things you regret, the things that happened to you, the things that were done to you. And Paul says that God will somehow, and in some way, he'll work those things out for good. The great theologian Garth Brooks said it this way, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. This doesn't mean that the pain isn't real or hard to deal with or not worth grieving. It just means that no pain or disappointment in life will be wasted. Don't let your past prayers keep you from praying to God now. So rather than be hesitant in talking and taking your prayers to God, because you wonder if they're going to be answered the way you'd hope, we would be wise by following Paul's advice and to take everything that calls us to worry to God because he's the one that has the ability to change our situation. Let's read that verse again fully. In verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And from this verse, notice what Paul is saying. If anything is worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Let me say that again. If anything is worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. If you're worried about something, try surrendering that thing to God and see what happens. Praying to God is not wishful thinking. Or ignoring a situation, it's taking the problem to the one that can and wants to do something on our behalf. There's nothing too small or too petty to take to God. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Reflect for a moment on the character of God. You know, first of all, we know that God is all-powerful. He does not grow weary or tired and has no limits. His energy levels don't deplete when he acts on our behalf. It doesn't restrict him from acting in another way. He's all-powerful. He's also all-knowing. He sees every situation from every vantage point. He'll work it out for good, which is why he must respond with both yeses and noes. If Christians are praying for their own team for the Super Bowl, Christians are dividing the issue. God will work it out for maximum good. They both can't win, right? Well, God is also ever-present. He's always with you. You're never alone in your situation. He is good. He only does the right thing, and God does not change. He's not moody or fickle or reactive. And God is love. He loves you and wants to be with you. These are just some of God's attributes, but I hope these are enough to make it clear that you should take all things to God. Don't go to him with just the big things or the things you cannot take care of on your own. Or how about this one? Maybe you're hesitant to go to God because ultimately you see that the problem and the situation you're in is your own fault. You made some bad decisions or bad choices. You're thinking, ah, oh, I got myself into this mess. I need to get myself out of it. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Regardless of your situation you're finding yourself in or why you're finding yourself in it, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. I next want to draw your attention to the three terms Paul uses for prayer in verse 6. He says prayer, petition, and requests. Prayers, petitions, and requests, these three terms that are all synonymous for prayer, Paul's intentionally using unique words. Prayer here is a general term that can include general conversation with God, taking it to him at a high level. Petition, and in some translations it says supplication, this suggests a humility as we approach God with our humble requests. These are presented with God with a depth of desire. And requests deal with specifics. 
Why the three terms? I think Paul wants us to understand that our prayers can go deeper than surface level. For those of you interested in investing additional energy into the study, I'd suggest reading Max Lucado's book, Anxious for Nothing. He points out three things that happen when we pray specific prayers. First, a specific prayer is a serious prayer. How many times have you said to someone, hey, we should hang out sometime? And they're like, yeah, definitely. You mean it, but it's really just an emotional sentiment that is quickly forgotten. Once you walk away from each other, nothing happens. But how about you said, hey, I'd love to get together for coffee. And they respond, yeah, let's do it. And you're like, how about Friday morning at 10? Well, then you're invested. The request is sincere. It's gonna cost you some time, some energy. You're gonna to have to be thinking about what you're gonna to wear to that meeting, what you're gonna talk about. Specific prayer causes us to invest energy in our worries. Specific prayer is an opportunity for us to see God at work. When you ask God for a specific outcome, you will find a specific result. God's not up there needing your ideas and the old adage of God sitting up there angry, waiting on you to pray for the wrong thing so he can punish you. He's like, be careful what you ask for because God might give it to you. That's not how a loving father deals with his children. I love talking to people that keep a prayer journal. They've written specific prayers and recorded specific results. And when they are overwhelmed in their current situation, they look back and see God's faithfulness in the past and helps them to boldly present their specific requests in the present. Third, specific prayer creates a lighter load. Sometimes our worries are so big, we just don't want to think about them or invest our time and energy into praying them because it's overwhelming. However, if we allow our prayers to become specific and put them into words, we can bring them down to a more manageable size. I really appreciate the example that Max Lucado gives in this book. It's one thing to pray, Lord, bless my meeting tomorrow. It's another thing to pray, Lord, I have a conference with my supervisor at 2 p.m. tomorrow. She intimidates me. Would you please grant me a spirit of peace so I can sleep well tonight? Grant me wisdom so I can enter this meeting prepared. And would you soften her heart towards me and give her a generous spirit? Help us have a gracious conversation in which both of us benefit and your name is honored. What a great example of reducing a problem into a prayer-sized challenge. Try a specific prayer the next time you're worried about your job or relationship or school or retirement or whatever else that's causing you anxiety. Follow Paul's instruction and present your request to God. Peter, he was one of Jesus' closest followers and echoed the sentiment that we should take everything we worry about directly to God. He said it this way, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter's encouragement to humble ourselves reminds us of our own inadequacy and our own limitations. In contrast, we are going to God who is able to lift us up and make things right in his time. Casting all our anxiety on him, we should literally think of taking our worries, just taking them off, and throwing them at Jesus. Not some of them, but all of them. And God, he doesn't begrudgingly receive those worries. Here we go, more of your worries. No, he receives them because he cares for us. This humble act reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Whenever you are feeling overwhelmed with worry, whenever you're unsure of your next step, let the one who cares for you take all that worry. When your heart is overwhelmed with worry, don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I really appreciate what Max Lucado says. He says, the path to peace is paved in prayer.
path to peace is paved in prayer. I want to close by revisiting the scriptures we looked at today. Let them be an offensive weapon as you battle worry and anxiety. I'm going to read them to you now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, I want to give you a moment just to take some time and pray to God about the specific things you're worried about. I'm going to start that prayer, and we're going to give you another 30 seconds to continue that prayer on your own. Father God, thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you. God, you don't want us to bring some things to you. You want us to bring all things to you. And so God, whatever we find ourselves worrying about, whether it's something halfway around the world or it's something in our own neighborhood, if it's something in our heart that's causing us to worry, God, thank you for being a God who wants to hear and wants to act on our behalf. And so God, please hear our specific prayers now. And we surrender and humbly ask you to be involved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.